Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam is gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 170. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. Do you so, remember uh, when we were going to get someone good to sing this? <laughs> yeah. I've had people reach out to me and say, like, do you want us to do it for you? Like, a lot of people, actually. I know. I mean, we were going to get we were gonna get Lauren Hill, but she would never show up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, so before we get into uh, the crux of this week's episode, um, we all live in the D.C. area. Uh, it's been a really tough week for those of us who live here, but also, I think, for our country. Um, and so what we just want to do... Uh, on this week's episode is just have fun talk about some comics talk about some comic news and just you know generally have our our, our usual nonsense so with that um we've got a bunch of comics that we want to go over including the premiere issue of eternals which came out this week and then we've got some comic news that we'll be talking about as well and then we'll just have uh, our usual blathering as we go forth so let's get into eternals number one um this was the premiere issue by Kieran Gillen and uh, Isad Ribic. It is the first uh, Eternals comic in, I want to say, in almost 10 years, if not longer. Uh, and clearly it is there to coincide with the MCU film that will hopefully be released this year. It was supposed to be released last November. Obviously, we know why that didn't happen. But uh, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty, um, I would say, a, a small opening, not small in a bad way, but it only introduces us to two of the main uh, uh, Eternals, but uh, uh, Icarus and Sprite, uh, and then they sort of interact with uh, the larger MCU, uh, mostly through Iron Man, uh, and then there is a kind of a mystery that's developing, including who killed Zuras, who is like the, the ostensible head of the Eternals. Uh, and then there, and spoilers ahead, uh, they bring in Thanos at the very end, as who's going to end up probably becoming one of the uh, recurring antagonists. But what did everybody think? I mean, right. I was very happy with it. Oh, sorry. Okay. Are we gonna um, it was definitely Hickman-esque, you know, in terms of just giving us the whole map of, you know, every single spot. <laughs> of- <laughs> Bitch, I was just going to say that. <laughs> it's so true. It. It felt a lot like, it's funny, because especially when they're like, well, we just resurrect whenever. I was like, is this just X-Men again? What the fuck? Like, what's going on? <laughs> there, there, there were similarities, but I wasn't mad at it. No. I, I like having clear distinctions, because I think these figures, uh, reading that, like, the the Kirby version many, 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 many years ago, and then reading the the other version that we had probably, like, in the early 2000s, they, they did it, but they they did not flesh out the world in the way that they did in this first issue already. Like, it was very clear cut. Um, you sort of, they said 100 Deviants, 100 Eternal. Yeah. I, 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 like, I liked the, the world we were living in. I need boundaries, especially when these are, in theory, like, immortal, crazy, like, not gods, but basically demigods. Like, I, I need that sort of structure. Caleb, what do you think? Um, I actually didn't get, like, a Hickman X-Men vibe. I actually got more of, like, the Wicked and Divine from this uh, to a certain degree, as well as American Gods, uh, which makes a lot of sense because Karen Gillan wrote Wicked and Divine. Uh, Neil Gaiman, who did uh, probably the most famous miniseries of the Eternals about 10, 15 years ago, 
uh, wrote American Gods. Um, and you were definitely kind of got the, the vibe of like, you know, these uh, folks being sort of resurrected like one more time and they're going to come back a little bit different than their previous incarnation. Yeah. Um, so the, I did kind of enjoy that. And the change will be, they look like what they will in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, they, I, they, they looked exactly like what they I do sure the should movie. hope there is no child in real life that looks like Sprite. How the fuck, like, what is Sprite, Sprite supposed to be? It wasn't until I saw Adam, the- Adam, I have terrible news for you. She, that little girl that plays that part, she looks like Sprite. So you're gonna That's be- Because when, when I saw the variant covers, I was like, Oh, okay. That's what she's supposed to like. For so inside the book, I was like very. I originally thought Sprite was like a tiny, uh, just like a tiny gremlin person. Like it was just like a very weird. I think it was her haircut, maybe something just really threw me off. And like I thought, or I thought she was like an older woman. And then it was. I mean, I get it. They're eternal, but like the <laughs> visual design, I thought was like an older woman. And it's like you're a baby. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, Sprite notoriously hates that she's a child all the time. In previous versions, like the one that Kaylin was talking about, like uh, she identified as a he then, and like it was like, oh, okay. a little boy that was just annoying as shit and was basically like an instigator for everything. Yeah, in the game inversion, Sprite like what mind washed them into thinking that they were other people. Like literally, that yeah. there were other, they had other lives, other races. They had children that they didn't actually. Have. It was. Yeah. It's oh, not. Sprite. Yeah, and that's why, as we see this, like Sprite's been put on ice for ages right. because she it, fucking sucks. It's really interesting that like if you are truly like eternal, like you're an immortal being. You can fucking kill someone. You can screw up their entire lives. You can literally do whatever. And then like, ah, you die, you come back and you're like, oh, that was a crazy time. It's like a drunk mess is basically what you're like. I was blackout last night. Sorry about what I like, but an entire life of that. It, immortal like stories are so crazy to me in that, in that it, regard. It's the Ryan Krell story, blacking out, not remembering what happened, and then like doing it all over again the next day. Well, night. baby girl, I'm an eternal. I love it. There, you're a deviant too. Um, Makari is also going to be coming back as uh, as a woman uh, because previous incarnations of Makari, yeah. who's like yeah. the sort of the speedster type character, like the Hermes type, mm -hmm. uh, was was male and now will be female. Yeah, I, I like it. I love the the gender gender swapping. Better give me that lesbian storyline. There I, you go. I really enjoyed uh, fleshing out of the deviants just a little bit. What we did, where in terms of like, yeah, they, they have the name the deviants. Yeah, they are fighting them quite often, but uh, they, they sort of view uh, like us as just as bad. Like yeah. th sure. There's a one-off every once in a while, but as a whole, like this race isn't terrible. Like they look monstrous, but they're actually kind of like most of the time as they described like puppies. Like, so it's like, why are we, why are we in, in previous iterations, you don't really see that very much. The yeah. deviants are people they, they, they conquered the entire earth. Yeah. Deviants fucking suck. We never met a when we I mean the deviant leaders are always monster pieces of shit. It so feels like they're trying to change that. Yeah, well that's well no, I was just gonna say as a kind of obviously blind reader to the uh or just uh, oblivious reader to the eternals, um I 
found the kind of pilot issue pretty interesting. And I thought it almost, to your point, Ryan, and I would assume Clark too, it felt like as a new reader that I'm like, oh, this feels like very old school content that is now being updated with this like, well, there really isn't black and white. And I, I do appreciate that because I think it gives it a little bit more heft, but right, I think, but Clark, not, I agree, I bought into it because I don't have the history of all of the bad things the deviants might have done. But that's also kind of bullshit to say that if it's like all the people on Krakoa could exist together, right? Like there's horrible genocidal monsters. So it's like if they're flipping, I'm assuming it sounds like they're going to try to flip it to be like, who knows who's the enemy? But um, they are called deviants. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you guys find it interesting, both for Clark and Kalen, who have read the previous uh, Eternals series by Neil Gaiman, did you find it curious that the art style was kind of similar to that? Like, it was, yeah. like the, it was they definitely were leaning more into that side of it, which I was, I thought they were going to completely revamp it. I, I definitely noticed that as well. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the art because I think Asad Ribic is absolutely phenomenal. And I just, I kind of hope he can keep like a regular schedule because he's clearly like, look at like how gorgeous and detailed it is. Like this is a guy that, you know, isn't yeah. going to be able to put out a monthly book and he hasn't been able to before. Uh, but I definitely got that vibe, like rereading a little bit of the Gaiman, uh, John Romita Jr., uh, miniseries I think it was the sort of the uh, not necessarily the penciling but maybe more of the coloring like felt very much like it's like like a muted version of primary colors uh, and I think that may be where the similarity is happening between that miniseries and this new series mm -hmm. totally agree um, some, so that, um, oh. some other names for the Deviants are scum, mongrels, and subhumans. So yikes! Clearly, oh, they're not... great. Bitch, I want to be a deviant. If I, I had to choose scum. between the two, I would totally be scum. Yeah, <laughs> cum dumpster, whatever. You're like cum mouth or something. Like I would love that. Cum mouth. I mean, that sounds incredibly like racist ass names. To it describe does. Yeah, horrible. that's. I was gonna that's say, easy. was there any sort of uh, literature analysis about? The original series because this seems real rough it was written <laughs> quite horrible. a while ago so there's probably in some the of that 70s in yeah yeah what? for sure uh well oh, maybe that's why they're um, also kind of evolving and updating it as well which sounds like a very good idea but they never use any of those let's well, call them. our villains when, are called scum <laughs> <laughs> You got to remember when Jack Kirby did the Eternals, it was the 70s. It was like when he came back to Marvel after going to DC and creating the fourth world stuff with like Apocalypse and Darkseid and New Genesis and High Father and Orion and Mr. Miracle, all those characters. And so there he already created like a whole new pantheon where, you know, you had good versus evil. And then he comes back to Marvel and he creates a whole new pantheon. And I think he's trying to set up like a similar like good versus evil um you know uh uh dichotomy there but i think they're going to make it clearly they're going to make it a much more complex uh which they very well should i, I don't so think we need another like you know another like facsimile of like you know the old gods or new gods um um you know that, that kind of like conflict so those names first appeared in neil gaiman's version in 2006 mm. so it's his fault it a, what a race it was a it was a different time. It was a different time. iPhones didn't even exist in 2006. 
Um, Word. I know. So uh, let's move on uh, to Thor number 11 by uh, our favorite Donnie Cates and the art by Nick Klein, who is doing absolutely stellar work. Uh, it is a continuation of Don- Donald Blake breaking bad um, while Thor is still stuck in the uh, hell dimension and encounters a like godlike squirrel type character. Uh, Donald goes on the most awkward date uh, with Jane Foster. And when he finds out that she was Thor for like a hot second, he wants to basically kill her. Uh, but that was sort of a dream sequence. He leaves her and we are encountered by the best version of Thor ever, Thor Frog, uh, along with the f- best Marvel pet ever, Lockjaw. What did we all think? I love whenever that giant, that squirrel Ratatosk shows up. He, he, I didn't. I only read the issues of Squirrel Girl when he was in it. He's just it, it's such a weird thing to exist in mythology as well in comic dumb. It's just so giant squirrel. It's great. Yeah, I I love this issue. It, it is like it is deep diving into Thor lore. Thor lore, and I like it's so fun. Like it's so fun. If anything happens to Frog Thor, I will flip the fuck out. I want him and Lockjaw to be completely fine. Um, you can kill the other, like, sort of uh, whatever Thors. So, like, Thunderstrike, I'm looking at you. I'm happy if you die soon. And But, but like, and Beta Ray Bill, I want you to survive. But, like, I, I really enjoy this story. Like, it's not that much about Thor, which is funny because it's literally the name of the thing is about him. But I, I, I it really, like, this... I, I'm really into this series now and Jane Foster getting so much <laughs> time now. It, it, it makes me excited, honestly. Adam, you got anything? I liked it. I, it was less <laughs> uh, action packed and exciting than the uh, last issue, but I thought it was like a good continuation and a little bit of a downtime. And uh, I don't know the characters as, as well. Cause I, you know, I don't have the full four 30, 40 years of it. Uh, but I already felt, it was just such a great, I love the panels, I love the writing. He's fucking terrifying. I think it's such a great turn of that character um, and just continued, I really love the storyline. I want to see more. Bitch, the way he eats a steak is terrifying. Was, that's why, like, it's, oh, it's I know. like, it, it was like, you could see it on TV too. Like, I, I don't know, you know, like the media, you could see it on the media, medium, but like, I like, you've seen TV shows where you could just watch like a person chew this, chew the scenery, chew the stage, like, you don't see that that often in a comic book. Like what, what great artwork and what store great storytelling to like really be immersed in that. Yeah, I liked yeah. it a lot. I always like when a villain kind of thinks he knows every fucking thing and then something drops and he's like, what the fuck? So when she said that she had been told, especially yeah. when it's something we've known for like, what, seven, eight years now, but like <laughs> he just obviously has been out of the loop so long. It just, it made me laugh, even though he wanted to murder her quickly after. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to Reign of X. So we had two X-Books come out this week. X-Factor number six by Leah Williams and David Baldion, and then Hellions number eight by Zeb Wells and Steven Segovia. So in X-Factor, you know, at the end of the last issue, they found Siren dead once again. So they're trying to figure out, you know, like what caused her death. Meanwhile, you know, Northstar attempts to have a cute moment with his husband. Uh, Aurora flirts a little bit, or rather, um, what's his face? Uh, um, 
Why can't I think of his name? Dokken. Um, Dokken. Thank you. Flirts a little bit with Aurora. And um, you see a, a prodigy wanting to become like like an expert on cadavers, like a mortician almost. And what like he the gets fuck? to get a and gets a little bit of help from Dr. Cecilia Reyes on that. It was just a kind of a bizarro issue. What uh, the fuck? But yeah. What do we think? So I liked, I think the second half of the issue, because it was a little bit more prodigy focused, like I kind of liked, I like the second half of the issue. That whole fucking autopsy scene, or not autopsy, just the investigation scene, the crime scene investigation. I just didn't like every moment of it. And I'm really, like, I like, <laughs> want to so badly because I'm like trying to figure out what about this team-based book and these interactions what don't I like I think one thing that's really hitting me hard is that there's besides Prodigy and again I don't I don't know exactly how he's overall characterized for since he's been created he has a voice and I think everybody else especially North Star besides speaking French Polaris any like I boy like all of them sound exactly the same it's like one person talking to themselves five times over and it's very frustrating because I'm like the concepts and the stories like the CSI type thing the mystery is very exciting I'm super excited to see what happens with Siren and there you know again there's elements that I like but a lot of a lot of the joking feels forced a lot of the conversation doesn't feel real it just doesn't have any weight to it I think Ryan I, I would completely agree. I think I like it a little bit more than all of you are going to talk about it. Um, I think this is just showing that the dialogue itself is very much off. They, it, like you said, it's one person doing it and it doesn't feel like the characters we know. I'm glad to see all of them. I like the connections that are happening where we're getting some old new mutants connections. We're literally like with David and like Sophia. I enjoy that. I like certain things. The dialogue is off, but I'm going to look at this as a basically like a CSI show where it's going to have a cold opening. They're going to say something and then it's going to be like, yeah. And like, I'm going to look, I'm going to look at this comic from now on as that. Because hmm. the mysteries that they're going into are pretty interesting. I'm interested to know what happened to Siren. Right. I'm interested to know a lot of this stuff. But it, the, the dialogue is off for me. But I, I do just have to ask you guys one real, real quick question. Did you get the bush bagels that I sent all of you? Did you get bush bagels? Yeah, okay. they're still in the mail. USPS uh, has been really slow. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, literally in the morning thing when they were like, I'm going to have to try a bush bagel. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing right now? It was so <laughs> strange. <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> it was strange. Clark, what do you think? Just shit um, all over. It's okay. If if somebody read me the plot, you know, told me plot point by point what happened, I'd be like, this sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, but yeah. this is so poorly written. It's not funny. I didn't even realize there were jokes in there. You just said yeah. there were jokes, and I was like, "What?" Is there, this... there were. Well, like my kind of jokes that don't they they're not funny. No, there was. <laughs> I, I I just think like, you're funny. This is unreadable. Give me uh, give me a plot synopsis. I'm I'm good with it. But I, uh, the characters do not sound right at all. Yes, the characterization is totally off. I I don't know. It just feels every single moment feels forced and bizarre. Everything that happened with. Polaris and the at the very beginning with the um 
dev version of their actual CSI people. Um, was so strange. <laughs> she just like knocking them on the ground and shit. Yes. <laughs> What's going on? Also, I despise the weird yellow crown that keeps showing her whenever she uses her powers. What the fuck is that? It's that like some sort real. of Jesus halo moment that's going on. Yeah, so I was gonna bring up that cop thing because that's it's it's frustrating to watch this series because so many of the other X series have done a very thoughtful job of playing with the world. And I know Kaylin, it's your favorite, you love the politics end. I was like, how do you have an entire issue about Davos and then have these motherfuckers showing up on a beach, checking out a dead body, tossing around police officers? Like it just all felt very like eh. And then, but, and for them not even to, to, for them to be like the playful team also feel like all of it just feels in, it feels uh, tonally weird. Everything just feels off. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I, I like the idea of having maybe like uh, X guest char- character cameo of the week. Like there's trying to solve something. So yeah. like you, you have one of like, your historic like X-Men come in and they're like trying to solve their problem. I like that idea. I don't think they did Siren justice because she was literally dead from the beginning. And then she comes in and she's, I'm guessing possessed. I'm, I'm right. thinking maybe it's like malice or something at the end, but no. like, Oh, okay. Well, well, what is it, Clark? <laughs> um, at the very end, you know, when we see her walking away, we, we see the yeah. triketa, which is a an Irish symbol. So she still has the Morgan involved. Oh. In, and it, 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 all those are crows. So it's in that. Ah, that's so smart because literally when we last left her in X Factor, yeah. the old X Factor, that's what she... Oh, that's it. Okay. I great, just kind of assumed, I, I kind of assumed they would just like never mention it again because it's so left field. Dang. But it's, clearly but, they are, which I'm happy about. I just wish they had were doing it in a way with a different um, writer. It, mm. It's it's tough because I wish th- they could just have a dialogue coach, and I think that would help out a lot. Like for because the ideas that they're bringing are have a lot of like yeah. old school X Men lore in it. It like it it knows continuity. Like all of that stuff is aware, but like just the voices just seem off. It's really. It's really frustrating because I really want to like this series. Yeah. And I think I kind of do. I, I Kaylin, what, what do you think, Kaylin? I I really want to like this series too. And I've been pretty charitable about it for the first few issues. Because yeah. the cast is great. And I like I like the art. And I, I've liked Leah Williams stuff before. I just, it's just a fucking slog. Like, we're going to talk about Hellions in a second. I was so excited to read Hellions. Yes. It was great. Yeah. And then, like, I was like, oh, now I got to read X-Factor. I was like, all right, I'm going to fucking read X-Factor. And it's just, it's, I don't, there's a reason why I don't like CSI. I never watched that show. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like, like, I don't like, uh, like, episodic, like, procedurals. You know, that's not my favorite thing. I think the idea of X-Factor is great, but I almost wish that it wasn't a book. It, they just existed in the background of other books. Uh, does that make sense? Like it's, it's almost like, like, I, I don't think, I don't think there's enough there for it to be interesting enough for me, even though I love North star. I love Polaris. Uh, I even love Rachel. And like, you know, I love that they've, that they have queer characters in this book. Um, it's just, uh, it's something that isn't coming together for me. And I don't think it's just the dialogue. Ryan? Adam, um, you and I have done this game before where we, we do like CSI cold openings 
where you're <laughs> yeah. like, you come up with a terrible pun. Do you have one for this? Because I think I do. Think well, you about go it first. And I okay, I'll go first. You think about it. Um, and you, uh, Kaylin and Clark, you can chime in too. Uh, this guy's dead. He's not only dead, he's in X Men. <laughs> no, that didn't work. Yeah! Uh, I actually, I'm glad you gave me time to think because I actually have a thing for okay, the do it, girl. issue. Make it's it better like, than mine. It's like they discover her, uh, they discover her body at the bottom of the cliff and, he, oh, and no. North, Star, North Star's like, it must have been a scream. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> good okay why don't we do one of those for every x-factor issue okay there we go that's gonna be our new our new component to make it better than us just shitting on the book and praying how much we want this to be good totally all right let's move on then to hellions uh number eight by zeb wells and steven segovia as i mentioned before uh it is a continuation of the previous uh issue where uh after coming back from um Araco, uh, they had to resurrect Nanny, uh, Wild Child, and um, an Orphan Maker, but uh, Orphan Maker couldn't come back until he had his armor, but his armor was on Nanny's ship, which is being held by Cameron Hodge on the right. So uh, the Hellions go after it. Uh, clearly, uh, things don't go according to plan. You have a super focused uh, Wild Child and Nanny uh, <laughs> who are still somehow like controlled by a menth which i'm very very interested by uh you find out that cameron hodge isn't actually cameron hodge himself he's just a robot uh the robots are trying to be friendly the ai is but then um psylocke kills them all and it kind of goes back into some of the themes that hickman was doing in hawks and pox about how uh the mutants are going to ultimately be opposed by artificial intelligence moving forward so i really did like some of those themes but would love to hear from y'all and what you thought about the book I mean, I love this series. It's so good. I I, oh, good. I oh, love God. friendly friendly robots that then get violently murdered. I know. <laughs> I, I know you feel so sad, then you're like, I but, know. but I mean, it doesn't. It's not good. It wouldn't end well. Right. Like, obviously, clearly, yeah, you get it. I get it. Um, it makes it makes sense, but it was it was sad. <laughs> I don't well, know why. That is such a perfect combination of lore and like got everything about this book i always love like he's just fucking amazing that was amazing the art is fun everything is this is it's to your point caitlin like between the two books and it's actually why it's so bad that they're matched up this week when I, they're matched up but like they came out the same week it's just like night and day in terms of you know who is speaking what they're gonna say and how they're gonna say it in relation to the situation that's happening and it, it's just crystal clear again even if it's only contained within this book of like who great crow is or otherwise uh, i'm i'm never like the historian but i'm just like my god so easy simple and clean like i think that's another big problem for x factor this hellions takes a dialogue very seriously so like they could say one word they could have one sentence and you get everything you need to know from it so i just i loved it so much so good ryan totally it's my favorite series um i want zeb wells to have a series in the way that Peter David did for many, 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 yeah. many years. He deserves yeah. it. He is a phenomenal writer. He gets continuity. He gets the fun. He gets the serious. He gets the whole thing. Um, he knows how to plot a single issue. He's so good. I really, really love him. Um, one thing that really stood out to me was Cameron Hodge was so 
interesting in a way that I've never seen him interesting before. Um, but also he talks exactly like my religious aunt to me <laughs> in that issue. So that was, that was tough to read, but it was a nice, still fun. It was fun to have that still. Clark, what do you think? I love the characterization of Neophyte. <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> God, that's another one. Empath. No, I do love it. Yeah, um, Empath is so great. Yes. Um, I mean, he's so aggressively interesting, and the fact that he just runs away like a little weasel, but then actually kind of saves the day at the end. I don't know. It's that it's was such a, cool a good reveal. voice. He has such a good voice that makes sense for the character, and he's hateable, but in like an enjoyable way. Yeah. Kaylin. I was not. You know, uh, this being the mirror image of X Factor, when this book was announced, I was like, okay, this could be all right. <laughs> like, I didn't love Fallen Angels, obviously. I've read a bunch of Zebwell stuff before, and like, he's been hit or miss for me. Like, some of his stuff, oh, I'm gonna enjoy it. Some of it's like, eh, whatever. And I was like, oh, God, I don't need another version of the Suicide Squad, but yeah. like, set within like the X books. But God damn it, this book, for every, <laughs> every reason that y'all have all said, is just so fucking enjoyable. Because I don't know what's going to happen next, but it is all incredibly logical. Like, it fits in with the characters and who they are. Like, it's plotted meticulously, and it definitely does take it into continuity, like, really, really well. I am very, very intrigued with what's going on with Wild Child and Nanny right now. Like, that that shit, like, oh, fuck, that is a mystery. I want to, I want to see them peel that onion back. I completely agree. And also, of course... Nanny is gonna get a baby. Are you kidding me? Why did we not already <laughs> predict that that bitch is gonna get a baby at some point? You know what I mean? It's, it makes yeah. so much sense. I feel like it It kind of reminds me of Thunderbolts when it was rebooted like in the early 2000s where uh, I think it was Warren Ellis that wrote it where like it was a Thunderbolts team and they were a team, but eventually the team sort of split into like the good guys mm. and the bad guys. Oh, yeah. and, and it's really given me that vibe because like uh, Scalp Hunter, which we don't say anymore, now called Grey Crow, like he is becoming a good person. Psylocke, obviously. Havoc, obviously. And then there's another side that like have been rebooted into these like crazy monstrosities. So I think we're going to get this weird like civil war between the Hellions. Schism, and then, yeah. And then, and then Sinister will, of course, not <laughs> so, like he'll clone himself and be on both sides or something like that. Uh, but it, it's so exciting. I just love it. Kalen. In a weird way, you know, I've been finally watching the Harley Quinn animated series on <gasps> HBO Max. And I get a lot of vibes uh, from that into this and vice versa. We're like, they're Toads. bad guys, but they're not really bad guys. You know, <laughs> like they're just trying to, you know, like get by. Uh, but yes, there is definitely going to be like a real schism. And that like in, the, in my favorite iterations of Suicide Squad, and I know I was just making like an unfair comparison there, but like that happened. Like you had, you know, like the the the, the more angelic, you know, the uh, better, the more protagonistic characters right. like kind of being off on their own. And then like the the really villainous folks kind of off on their own. Like so you can see like Empath and Nanny like kind of like going going that way. And you can see like Havoc, Psylocke, and then like the redemption of Grey Crow. I think they're going to be like more of the good, the quote unquote like, you know, chaotic good characters. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely into this book. It is um, probably becoming one of my my favorites in uh, the Reign of X books. All right, so let's move on to uh, King in Black. We had two books uh, that were linked in this, this week. First was Venom number 32 uh, by Donnie Cates and uh, 
uh, Ibn Coelho. And then Guardians of the Galaxy uh, number 11 by Al Ewing and Juan Cabal. Uh, so let's talk about Venom first. Um, it is very much like what I call an in-between story um, because we had like the first two issues of King and Black already come out. Uh, Eddie is basically dead at this point um, and he gets, uh, you know, meets up with the guy, what's the character's name? Who was in the early issues of Venom? Um, I'm trying to remember, oh, Rex. Rex. Uh, but like, yeah, yeah, Rex. And um, so Rex basically kind of takes him on a little journey. At the very end, you find a resurrected Flash Thompson who had his own Venom series for a while. So that was like the most exciting part for me. But the rest of the book, I was like, hmm, it's kind of ho hum about. Right, I, I completely agree. It was. It was another falling issue where he was falling for the first part of it. Um, and then, which is not fun. Um, he got some fun dialogue and some fleshing out, which I'm okay with. The only big reveal is at the end. So I'm just glad that I want to get all the Venoms together. I think that's fun, especially for this event. It, it feels like they're going to save the day. So team of Venoms all the way. I like it. There you go. My favorite big reveal, I mean, I love Flash Thompson. I'm very excited for that. But the fact that we know that Tyrannosaurus Rex Venom is going to be on, on the side of the angels. Oh, like, totally. Just throw that to them. I'm like, yes, give me Tyrannosaurus Rex Venom. Um, I'm, I mean, I enjoy it just because I like where it's headed. I yeah. like bringing back a, a, well, dead characters for a bit. Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited for it. Yeah. No, again, I think the the revelation was great. It's just like reading it again was like, oh, okay. I just it didn't give me a whole lot of new. Yeah, it's definitely a holdover uh, issue, but one that had like interesting. It felt good to the overall story, but yeah, it's one of those ones that I wish I had like had an issue before and after to also keep me excited. <laughs> it just it just kind of felt yeah. like okay, like we'll see what happens next. I felt it was kind of horrifying when they're walking through all the bodies that were like in his thrall and like just seeing that, you know, Captain America's there and everybody's and it just felt really kind of sick feeling. Just how obviously this is a fucking mess. I don't know. It was kind of freaky looking. Yeah. Randos with Captain America and they're all just stuck in this netherworld basically that's without their own souls almost. It does still feel a little weightless. And I mean, I, I think I kind of probably appreciate them jumping right in because they've been building this up for years. I did, it did feel a little bit weightless to me, even having, we did, we didn't do all of the one shots, but we did like Black Cat, which also told that initial battle from a different perspective. Like it did seem kind of surprising. It's like, oh wait, yeah, they've all been absorbed with it immediately. Like, it, cause I, I, I appreciate they have only a tight timeline to tell a story, but I would like, would have hoped that there would have been more, a more like cliffhanger of the fact that that even happened. And instead it's like, oh wait, now they're here. Like it's like very, it feels like we're almost reading a synopsis of the overall kind of battle and journey that they're all going through. I mean, that's what happens with all Marvel yeah. crossovers. It's crossovers, fucking frustrating yeah. as hell. It's the same it thing we're talking about with Ten of Swords. Like Ten of Swords is the model they should be going with going forward where there's just a bunch of issues that tell a 20 issue story as opposed to a six issue with a bunch of shit that doesn't matter. I mean, right. issues one and two of King and Black and not the first issue of this with Venom should have all been, put them together and make that two issues. Yeah. Well, and then I agree. Just, I feel like this issue would be much better if we didn't have to deal with the issue before. Because <laughs> that issue before was, uh, I mean, I love the series, uh, but it was, I lie it was awake a waste of time. thinking about how much I hate that issue. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, mean, I think that issue was also just for people who are just coming in for the miniseries and need yeah. to know what the character is about. Yeah. I guess, well, I know, I mean, that's why it existed the way it does. But yeah. Still frustrating. I mean, we yeah. have to like it. Uh, I, I made a uh, mistake earlier. It's actually Guardians of the Galaxy number 10, not 11, but it is a tie-in to Kingdom Black. Uh, we have a, as we found out from the last issue, a resurrected Peter Quill, Star-Lord. He gets reunited with the Guardians uh, this issue. Uh, they take on Null uh, in their own way. And at the very end, uh, they bring back the Greek gods, which were, if you guys remember, the first couple of issues of Guardians. Uh, but what did you all think? I liked it. Not much happened, but it was pretty fun still. I like that they're continuing down this path of like truly making Star-Lord a different character. I'm, I'm here for it. Um, it feels like a very different Guardians team. It feels like they're working together in the old school way, which we always talk about of like what the old Guardians of the Galaxy were like in the early 2000s. Like that, that, that era was like so key and like it defined these characters to make it go to the movies. But like, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy this issue again, that the comedy is on point. Sometimes it's heavy handed and I'm not going to be mad about it. Like with, <laughs> like with guns out, you know what that means? Sun's out. Like I'm not. Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, mad that's about a good pun. Like that's that's fun. Like yeah. they did a good job. They they threw in some comedy with levity that that lands in the way that like maybe not X Factor did it. Like it 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 feels right. Everything feels right about this series, and I don't know where it's going, but I, I'm excited to see like such a. A uh, scary villain of like actual gods, like them going up against that, because it it does it does feel overwhelming and fun and still interesting. I I'm I'm digging this series so much. I, I think it's I think this will definitely play out better as like a trade pa condensed trade paperback. But I, all the content is great. I'm just almost wishing I had the full story to kind of really thread myself through, because yeah. I, I feel like in particular to this, because we we read the kind of the what, there's been this is like the third the third arc of this overall guardians journey i feel like since we started reading it and i felt like the other two kind of maybe more can i like follow them along a little bit more whereas like this one especially with star lord's retransformation like i'm like it's cool it feels a little bit weightless but i think i'm gonna i want to keep seeing it where it, where it's going it's certainly interesting and fun um it's just it's just a little bit harder to keep track of especially because of the god like the god element and their initial attack and now we're over here but I, I like it. I think it's very funny. I thought it was the worst issue of the series, but I still think it was good. Yes. That's a great way to put it, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Uh, I also <laughs> am waiting for for Philavel to do anything interesting at all. Right. That's, just like a, a drag, that's a good point. on everything. I know, other than being like, Heather, Heather. Yes, like, yes. Stop screaming about your lover at all times. It's, yeah, she's like the the aggressive the woman who's mad at the the lead character in a in a like a tv show that yes. you hate but even though she's kind of reasonable she's the more reasonable one but you still hate yeah. her because she won't shut the fuck up about about the interesting character doing something interesting We're hey not leave skylar alone ah, that's <laughs> what I, was gonna say. I was trying to say that without saying that yeah breaking bad yeah kaylin that's funny you say that because i actually think the my favorite moment was between uh moon dragon and phylavel where 
uh, she goes, Heather, you're crying. I've never seen you cry before. And uh, Moondragon goes, never? Why not? Because it's the other version of Moondragon. And like, it just was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, it is such a, one, I love like parallel universes and like, you know, alternate versions of characters. But like, can you imagine that? Like, you have these two people who are supposed to be in love. They're in a relationship. And she says something. It's like, I've never seen you do this. And the other version of her significant other is like, what do you mean you've never seen me do this before? <laughs> it's just like that moment. I don't know. Like, it just like, it just really hit me. But that's like, the person doing something interesting to her. Yeah. That's Moondragon being interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that, yeah, that's. Yeah, fair. no, all, overall, Phyla Val needs that. The moment you were saying, Kayla, makes sense, but Phyla yeah, Val yeah, needs yeah. her. Phyla Val needs a story, an issue or two. She's, she's a little that. bit of just the love interest right now. I yeah. want to see her fleshed out more. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to see Phyla Val give him Phyla hell. Next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to reread um, all of the issues, though, to your point, Adam, because I do think there is an interesting kind of through line that, like, I'm missing reading it month by month. Yeah. Um, even, like, the Donnie Cates version of the book the previous volume yeah. like it was much more like okay bam 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 this is all this is happening it's two major storylines one was six issues the other one's also six issues this feels like much more of an organic like almost like an old school x book it's like we're yes. gonna oh. weave into these subplots and not and it's like oh this is really cool but i need to remind myself of yes. this stuff so the good news is like they're all in comicsology so we can go back and reread them <laughs> All right. Anything else on Guardians or any of the other comics we read? No. All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm picking up a little news flash. I'm handing you. I think your battery died. Ew. I do. Yeah. Uh, so we had uh, just a little bit of like comics and comics related news this week, but it all like kind of centered around DC Comics, which is kind of funny because all our comics were Marvel. So this is our way uh -huh. of getting a little bit of balance. Uh, so the first up is there are rumors out there, rumors that have not been confirmed, that ultimately Michael Keaton is going to replace Ben Affleck as Batman in the DCU. Uh, I've heard conflicting things here, but uh, what do y'all think? Someone talk us through this, because what the fuck? I mean, uh, the, that article I sent you, which of course is on D-listed, so there's lots crazy, of humor yeah. and a mess. I mean, I love D-listed because it makes fun of everything. But they also mentioned that it could be a Batman Beyond kind of situation. Yes. So him being an older Batman would make Batman Beyond be a functional story, which would be great. I love yeah, that. I would be into that. I I like that. I like the idea of these like characters kind of getting older and growing up um and michael keaton was a goddamn great batman like mm -hmm. i rewatched uh batman returns the other day and that movie is a fucking mess but it is so enjoyable um uh it's just i don't know i like that incarnation of batman so much caitlin do you find it mind-boggling a little bit okay so dc deals with like characters growing up there's a legacy i'm passing along let's say the flash i'm passing along all these like certain things it seems like Marvel is doing it with their movies and DC because their movies aren't that good. Um, can't keep moving on like that. So it's weird that Marvel is doing the thing 
that DC mm-hmm. did with their comics. Does that make sense? Like now we're yeah. getting legacy characters. We're getting a Hawkeye. We're going to get Ironheart, which is another one of Iron Man. Like we're getting like all these legacy characters, which is a staple of DC, but like DC can't do it because they can't get their own like movie universe off the like launching pad. It's so well, sh- I. I would say even before the movies, DC had this up until like the mid 2000s. And then Jeff Johns took over and he brought back Hal Jordan as Green Lantern. And then ultimately what Graham Morrison brought back Barry Allen as a flash. Like the death of Barry is like one of the greatest moments of like DC history because you've got this guy who's super heroic and he like makes a sacrifice to save the multiverse or save the universe because there ends up being only a universe after that happens. Um, and then you had uh, Wally West, who was Kid Flash, ends up taking on his mantle as a Flash. And you saw the character grow. And, like, the whole idea of legacy stuff was great. And then, like, they just reverted back to these characters from the Silver Age. And it just kind of annoyed me. But, like, I mean, the, way, the reason the movies are being that way is because the comics are that way. And they're not giving, like, they haven't been able to set up a universe properly and so they've got this whole like world of DC happening. So you're going to have like, you know, even if you do have a Michael Keaton Batman, you've also got like the Robert Pattinson Batman out there as well. Cause that movie is supposed to be coming out this year or next. Uh, so it's like, you know, like it's if fine he doesn't get multiple... COVID again, sorry. Mm-hmm. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> um, but... This tea is scalding, honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, um, I don't, I don't know. I do love that Marvel is doing that. Um, I think it would be great if, like, they brought in Michael Keaton as, like, the Batman Beyond or Dark Knight Returns type Batman and it kept him on. Uh, but I, I have a hard time seeing that happen. Give me Batman Beyond or give me Death. Uh, I don't want to see oh another God. shitty Batman I would movie. love a Batman and, uh, Beyond series. Ugh. Yeah. It's so good. It's basically Batman as Spider-Man. Totally. Yeah. Completely, yeah. Uh, all right, some more DC news. Um, we know that the uh, Snyder Cut will be coming out uh, later this year on HBO Max as a four-part series that will never end, and like we can't stop hearing about it. I feel like we talk about it in every fucking <laughs> podcast, but we do. We did find out that um, as part of this extended version that Snyder's creating, he has an image of Wonder Woman, Diana like through the ages and in one image she's holding up a severed head and i thought the worst thing i ever saw around wonder woman was 19, uh, wonder woman 1984 but uh, no it turns out it's actually this fucking image of her like holding up a severed head so thanks Zack snyder <laughs> i didn't think we could find the bottom until we we, we you came in the picture right he, he's really digging in a pit isn't he um uh, the, the, do you think uh, Patty Jenkins and also Wonder Woman in general will be canceled in the way that uh, Kathy Griffin was when she held the severed <laughs> head of Donald Trump? Do you think it would be, are we no. equating it the same sort of way or? Well, Kathy Griffin should never have been canceled because I mean, look, based on the events of this week, like that was just fine by me. Um, yes. But I don't, I don't think so. I just, Look, I mean, on our on our Wonder Woman podcast, uh, which I hope all our listeners have listened to, because I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I said that you know, uh, they, Patty Jenkins and the writers made Diana a rapist, but in the comics they made her a murderer, where she killed Max Lord. It's like 
Zack Snyder's like, hold my beer because I'm going to make her a fucking murderer. And uh, I know we talked about off podcast, like mythologically speaking, an Amazonian type character would do something like this. But these are, they're kid characters. They're heroic characters. Darkening them up like this is just, it's like, it's like, the middle-aged fanboy that can't let go of the stuff that he loved as a kid and he wants to age them up uh, to like where he is. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if the Flash just like started ripping limbs off people? Wouldn't it be great if Superman killed and Batman should be, have guns on his car? I'm like, no, like I don't want that in these, in these characters or these movies. I, I think it's shitty. Well, and you also can't, do that to every single character in your universe. It's one, because I think when, you know, even beyond the Amazonians, what I've appreciated about uh, Wonder Woman's character is that like, just like everybody else, Superman, Batman, what, I mean, everybody can break bad. And I, it's, and th that the reason why that exists is it makes it interesting is because these characters are so iconically positive, heroic, doing good things. Um, but like when I think of Injustice's version of Wonder Woman, the comics and the video game series, it's wonderful. And it makes, it's a very nice slant of what could happen if life was different and certain things went off. But there are still then people that have to maintain that level of the original excitement you like. If in the Snyderverse, as we've already seen, Superman's blowing off Zod's head, Wonder Woman is holding Ottoman Empire uh, cutoff heads. Like, none of all of these characters are bad then the only thing that they're going to do is add like a weird child star to be like what are you guys doing like i'm the positive element to the movie like it just all of it doesn't work like, and i really wish they would find a better line because i i would agree you know i i always have this fear for the marvel universe that it's gonna keep going actually too forward towards mainstream kid or vanilla type content um but to your exact point, Kaylin, you can't just make people gruff and beat people up and that's mature. Like, that's not mature. Like, you know, that's that's actually more childish than positive. The positive heroic elements that we're seeing. Maybe um, that severed head is just a volleyball with a wig on it and it's just <laughs> her best friend. And in this version, when he dies, that's when she becomes a bitch in the 1980s and rapes someone. Oh, oh my God. It's not losing Steve Trevor in this this well, world. but to that point, it, if this was the photo, it'd be a lot more fitting for uh, a natural progression for Wonder Woman '84 rather than the kind of mix-up that happened between the two movies. <laughs> she was so positive and full of light, and now she's a horrible rapist and also a bad <laughs> friend. <laughs> yeah. This is why I also didn't, um, you know, like I loved it at the time, but going back and rereading The Ultimates by Mark Miller and like uh, uh, yeah. Brian Hitch, where like you had like, like they took the one element of Hank Pym when he was Yellow Jacket and he slapped mm -hmm. Janet Van Dyne Jesus and they extrapolated Christ. into like an entire character trait and like the main character trait of like him being this abusive husband and like attacking her by like, having her his aunts like go after I'm like I was like why did I ever like this why it's, was this ever published it made me so angry rereading it like a few years ago it's when you go down that path it gets into such a like what uh, what now like like <laughs> in, the, in the same ultimate universe blob 
would literally just bite people's heads off right. and swallow them and eat it. Like, you're just like, why did we go down this path? Yeah. yeah. Speaking when of gets, wasp, that's exactly like, what he did to wasp. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, like it, it, it got, yeah, we, we don't need to go down this path. So I can't wait for the Snyder cut is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Can you imagine? We got to figure out, we got to bring, uh, uh, we got to bring Katie Ozog back for that. Oh, she did yeah. say she will watch any superhero thing, not she her said, own, but on if, podcast, we her, she said it. if we tell her to, she will watch it. My so favorite is that, she my favorite it. is that we're going to basically make her do the entire, M- we're going to make her do the DCEU as opposed to the MCU, oh. which is like normally people would tell you to like, oh, if you're going to get in superhero movies, watch the MCU. And instead we're like, no, Katie, go back to the beginning and watch Superman and then watch Batman versus Superman. <laughs> and then we'll see. You'll probably be dead by then. But if you still make it out alive, come on the podcast. Yeah. Katie will stop being our friend if we do that. <laughs> she just will. She'll be like, fuck y'all. And she'll be right. She'll be justified. All right. So last bit of news, also linked to the DCEU. Uh, the Flash movie, Flashpoint, will be coming out who knows when. Uh, and then there's the on again, off again uh, of like whether uh, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg, will be in it. Uh, why do I care? I actually don't. I don't give a fuck. Be in it or don't. Whatever. Uh, this movie has been coming out for so long. I just presumed it already came out and that he was both in it and not in it at the same time. <laughs> it's the paradox. It's the Flashpoint yeah, paradox. paradox. I mean, I'm I'm happy that he is continuing to stick to his guns based on the poor treatment that's been experienced and stuff like that. I think it all makes a ton of sense. It's totally like his decision. And I would, you know, sounds like everything is actually true. It's been, it was a shitty experience for everyone involved, it sounds like. And so it's just, it's not worth that time and energy. But, you know, at the yeah. same time, the fact that they can write a person like a big, such a big character out of the entire universe is ridiculous to me. And it's obviously going to be terrible. <laughs> I mean, clearly he's valid claims. Also, clearly he needs to just be done with it. Not be done with what he's saying, but be, just right. literally say, I'm not doing this anymore. No, I'm out. Yeah. This back and forth, him and hawing kind of stuff is making him look not in the wrong because he, you know, they're valid fucking points. And obviously they got rid of uh, Josh, Josh Whedon. Yes. Yeah. For, Josh uh, Whedon. Yeah. for, they got rid, they got rid of him from uh, productions for a valid reason. But you're you're making yourself look bad. Yeah. Talk about it, but also don't still pretend to be involved. Engage in it, yeah. So we wish him the best of luck, and probably this no, movie. We, too, no, we don't. No, we don't. I, I, don't really wish for, I don't really wish for the movies. To, yeah, I, I wish him oh, luck, I hope, not the movie. I, I wish for news about this movie well. to stop coming out. I want news about this movie to stop coming out. I'm done with it. I just want it to come out and then we never have to worry about a Flash movie again because no one will like it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been, <laughs> that's been our news and comics this week. Uh, next week, we've got uh, uh, a couple more X-Books coming out, both Marauders uh, number 17 and Sword number two. So I'm very, very excited about that. We'll have some more King and Black uh, issues as well. And hopefully uh, Clark will have something. Watch out. So I could have had uh, something did... today, but it would have been horrifyingly political. And we're not doing that. Oh, yeah. Uh, My yeah you leave, the politics, you yeah. leave the politics to me, Clark. Um, 
I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, no, on uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, definitely find us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Please interact with us on Twitter at X and Instagram Podcast. We love you and we will see you next week. Bye. Do 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 do